Let's try that again. I'm switching microphones. I think you can hear me. I hope you can hear me. I mean, I hope this... Welcome to The Bitterest Pill. It's uh, Dan Class. I'm in my garage under the flypath at Los Angeles International Airport. Um, we're live streaming here on Alpha Geek Media at alphageekmedia.com. It's 1130-ish, by 1130-ish, you know, 1135 a.m., whatever, Pacific Standard Time here in Los Angeles. How are you? So my, my wife and my daughter, I'm going to lean back and try to relax. Ooh, I'm all red now. Cool. My wife, see, when I'm in hell, I'll lean back like this. That looks awesome. My wife and my daughter were in a car accident in March. They were driving uh, north on Sepulveda Boulevard, and someone made a rather unsafe left turn in front of them, crossing four lanes of traffic, really when only two of the four lanes had stopped, right? Had stopped. So two lanes stop. She thinks, well, you know, if two lanes are stopped, maybe I'll just go for four lanes. She being the woman that, that they were in the accident with, not my wife. And certainly not my daughter. She's only 13. She doesn't drive. So, but this, this woman was making a left turn across four lanes. She got clearance from the first two lanes. The other two lanes had cars in them that rammed directly into the side of her rather sizable SUV. Now, I, I, I don't want to talk about that too much. I don't want to think about it too much because I don't like to think about the fact that if my wife and daughter, I'm going to articulate this and hopefully I'll never have to th- think this thought again. If my wife and daughter had been two feet forward, I'm not sure that my wife would be here anymore because they would have been hit with such force by such a huge vehicle and then probably... Oh, God, I never even thought about this. And then probably driven into the car that ultimately in real life hit the woman, the second car that hit the woman. You understand? Two feet. Like you're, everyone's life is hanging in a balance that may or may not be decided by two feet. Not the reason I'm bringing it up. The reason I'm bringing it up is so, so my wife and my daughter are in this car wreck and they smash into this SUV that is pulled out in front of them with no warning whatsoever. Another woman smashes into the SUV. Please come, blah, blah. You know the whole story. So it turns out as far as we know, my daughter isn't in any pain. I don't think my wife's in any pain anymore, although it could just be that she doesn't bring it up anymore. It gets a little old after a while, right? She just didn't want to talk about it, didn't want to talk about it in front of our daughter, blah, blah, blah. So my daughter is scared to death to be in the car. Every time someone, well, definitely, definitely without question, anytime anyone pulls out in front of us, she's a nervous wreck and she grabs for the armrest or the door or the window or something. She she grabs. She's now a grabber. Now, we live in Los Angeles. There's a lot of traffic. Certain times of day, there's really a lot of traffic. And people are very, uh, as you can imagine, entitled in Los Angeles. So everyone in Los Angeles is, you know, the most important person in the world. So they like to just like drive out in front of you. It's not a problem for them. So needless to say, all day long, driving this poor young woman around, she's grabbing the armrest of the car. She's grabbing the window. She's grab, grabbing, grabbing, grabbing. And then she'll go to my wife and say, you know, dad is still driving so fast. It's really making me scared. I think someone's going to crash into us because, you know, we weren't going fast when we crashed. And if we were going fast, we would have really gotten hurt. And so dad's going too fast. Blah, blah, blah. So I have to drive slower. And I get it and I accept it. And that's fine. And I, I, I'm going to drive slower and I, I will. And I promise that I will. And so I have been. I've been driving a lot more slowly. I don't pull out unless I know I've got a lot of time. If I do anything, any slightly unexpected anything, I tell 
my daughter Tulu first. I'm like, hey, baby, I'm going to pull a U-turn here, and then we're going to go back the other way. We're going to right. Any of that's I kind of brace her, warn her, but you can't control other people. You can't control the time of day. I have to pick her up when I pick her up at 3.30. By 3.30, traffic is starting to kind of uh, 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 inch its way up to its fever pitch around 6. Oh, and then down. And we wanted to take her to see a therapist or somebody, somebody she could talk to, some third party, impartial, whatever, that has training in some area. And I think she was a little open to that for a while, but now she doesn't want to because she doesn't want to think about the accident. She doesn't want to dredge all that up. But it seems like every time someone pulls in front of us, it dredges the whole thing up. Every time someone turns left or turns right. We were driving home last night. And again, I'm being super careful. I'm being super aware of how fast I'm going, how I'm making turns, how much. Like, listen, I wait usually wait till it's fairly late in the game to start braking. Now I brake. If I know that in five minutes I'm going to have to brake, I start braking. But we're driving home last night. And there was no one in front of us for probably an eighth of a mile. With the next lane was completely free. The lane after that, there was someone way, way, way over. People, I guess, were maybe merging. We live near the airport. So people sometimes come out of the airport and around this little loop and then down into where we were driving. I keep hitting the other mic. Get out of the way. So maybe it's because somebody was looping around and, and she was kind of aware of it. But I, she, it looked like she was looking straight ahead and grabbing the door. And I felt horrible because I I was in that position where I'm like, listen, Melissa likes to get on me about how I drive. The girls kind of love to like, that's why Toulouse scared is the way dad drives. But the truth is, that wasn't about how I was driving. I was driving really like Boy Scout safe, like beginner driver safe, driver's ed safe. And uh, Toulouse was still freaking out. Which made me, I just was so sad for her. And so we're, I'm so worried about her that she was getting that worried and there was literally nothing. Like literally when she grabs, I know like, oh, okay, I got it it's because I didn't – yeah, I, I could break earlier. Next time I'll break earlier or uh, that, that guy pulled out in front of us or whatever. This was just like, I don't know what's going on. And if she doesn't want to talk to anybody about it, I don't know what to, to do. I mean she and I talked about it recently and it was that speed thing. Because she has it in her head that they weren't going particularly fast. And so when the woman put out, pulled out in front of them and then they hit the lady, that's what saved them, was not going fast. But I wasn't even going fast when she grabbed the door yesterday. I don't know what was going on with her. I know what was going on with me. Absolutely nothing. Sincerely. Like, I'm not, right, my wife doesn't listen to this show. I'm not like pleading a case. Nothing was going on. Now, in a way, it's going to make her a safer driver when the time comes. Thank the Lord. I get it. But I don't want her to be afraid anymore. It was a long time ago. To me, it was a long time ago. But for her, it's still happening. Well, rather, for her, it's still happening in the car. For me, it's still happening outside the car because we're still getting letters from the other, from the ladies' insurance company asking for information. We, the, the minute it happened, we got home, and you, as you recall, I fell asleep and then called Allstate, gave them all the information, and then I thought Allstate, our insurance company, was, was going to, right? Contact their insurance company. So they keep writing me letters like, we need your wife's uh, name and a social security number and her driver's license. Baby, it's May. It's May. Why are you sending me letters in the mail? Is it to impress me with a letterhead? We've been emailing back and forth, me and the claims adjuster from the other insurance company. But she's one of those people that is so busy using their internal industry jargon that when we've spoken on the phone, I have to spend the whole phone call like, what, do, what, what does she mean by subjugate? What is she, what are they, 
What are you, what are you talking about? Can you talk to me? I know this is going to sound crazy. Like I don't work for Mercury Insurance. Let's assume for just a second that you work for Mercury Insurance and I don't. I didn't go to the retreat or the meeting or wherever you learned all these bullshit, meaningless words to make yourself sound important. Baby, if you need my driver's license or my wife's driver's license or social, whatever, just ask for it. Don't start a sentence with the, the subjugation of the claimant must be uh, articulated, the requirement of the subjugationist. Don't do that to yourself. Don't do that to me. Don't. Just stop. Send me an email with sort of like a, hey, Mr. Class, Dan, how you doing? Whatever you want to call yourself. This is what I need. And they want to make sure they tell you right up front. We don't want, listen, we don't want your medical claims until you're done with treatment. Okay. So don't send your medical claims until you're done with treatment. Do you understand? Yes, I understand. I don't know what subjugation means or whatever that word is that was in that latest letter. I do know what don't give us your insurance. I know what that means. So until treatment is finished, you don't want the medical bills. I, I get that. One, one thousand. One, one, one thousand, two. Why are you sending me a letter asking for the medical bills? They, no one is sure that they're done with treatment for the medical bills. The thing. I want my daughter to go see a therapist and talk about the fact that she's grabbing the car every time I start the engine. Do you understand? And maybe, maybe somewhere in there we told Allstate. I don't even remember anymore, but I'm pretty sure they're handling the claim you know there's that like that weird gray area where you're claiming you're filing a claim or maybe you're not filing a claim and i thought we didn't originally want to file a claim but allstate did do some stuff because the car got totaled out so wouldn't mercury call allstate and go hey what's melissa's uh driver's license number doesn't that it wouldn't because maybe the allstate people know what subjugation means within the context of asking for someone's social I, i don't know But that's all I do in the house. You know I'm in the garage, right? So when I point over there, I'm, that's the house direction. We moved. Everything got moved around in here. So that's the house direction now, like you care. But that's all I do in there is follow up on the accident. And then, then what my wife does is she goes to the doctor. Now, most of our doctors are out of network. I don't know why I've been looking. I've been looking at the. I've been delivering part of this story to the lamp. Why was I doing that? My my wife and I, listen, what we, uh, our doctors, many of our doctors are out of network. We have insurance, but our doctors are, don't take the insurance. So what happens is instead of looking for a doctor in network, I just get the extra part-time job of making sure the claims are submitted to the insurance and then we're reimbursed by the, the such and such percent of the allowable contracted amount when you're out of network. And I know too much about things that are not part of what I would hope to be my job description. I don't want to know about insurance department subjugation. I don't want to know about right 60% of the contracted rate for right dermatological examinations and surgicological exfoliation i don't want to know that but but i do so what happens is now with melissa and i is so she'll call me first thing in the morning when when i'm trying to get my head together and say listen oh and i uh, I, I need you i went to see dr so and so dr uh, shearer I went to see Dr. Shearer about my skin and he, uh, they charged me when I was there. And, and then she has it in her head that they put themselves down on the form, the, the insurance form, as the recipient of the money. So her concern is that we were going to give them money and then the insurance company was going to give them money. So we'd be out 600. The insurance would be out. So we'd had not, right? Okay. So, uh, sorry, my nose itches. So, So she says, can you call Dr. Shearer, the dermatologist, and see what's going on with that bill? So I call them. They say they've given it to the insurance company. I call the insurance company. The insurance company says, well, we sent you a form, and we're waiting here back. The um, I don't remember the name of the form. Now, I thought it was a form specific to the dermatologist 
stating, hey, should we pay this guy or what? Because they're sending us a bill and they say the thing and what do we don't know? So I look, I search the house. I can't find a form about that. What I do find, though, is a form from the insurance company that it's that thing that they I'm sure you must get one, too. Right. Where they're like, hey, do you have insurance from anyone else? Or are you still just using us? Because if you have insurance from someone else, maybe we can start to screw you out of some of your benefits. So please let us know if you're getting insurance elsewhere, and then we can kind of start to grind that whole situation. So I found that form. And so I feel like, no, me, wife, daughter, son, no, all just Screen Actors Guild. That's cool. I sent that off. But I still can't find this form about going to the dermatologist for my wife. So a couple weeks later, Melissa's like, hey, did you ever call about the thing? And I'm like, yeah, I'll call them again. So I call them. And they say, oh, well, we were waiting on the such and such form, but you sent that in. So it turns out I don't know that much about insurance. The form they needed was the form I sent. But now the claim, which has been received, has gone to the processing department. So I say, okay, well, the reason I'm calling, I wanted to make sure that uh, when the doctor's office filled out the form, they put us down as the recipient of the reimbursement and not themselves down because doctor's offices sometimes accidentally double bill or they put themselves down and then they get the right. We, we got it. We're trying to keep a lid on all this cash flow outward. So she says, well, it's in processing. It usually is in processing five days, 10 days. And I say, well, can we contact processing and find out oh no, no no we can't we can't do that why is it like a group of wizard gnomes in some dungeon like thing in burbank that we're not allowed to bother them or they have royal lineage like what is happening that we can't call them and make sure that i'm getting the money back and not dr shearer oh we we can't do that So five days go by, 10 days go by. I have other stuff to do. I had to rearrange the furniture in here, for God's sake. So then my wife will call me again in the morning and say, hey, did you ever talk to Dr. Shearer's office about that claim? And I say, no, don't you remember that I said it's in processing and the thing? No, you, sh- you got to call, call, just call doc, just call the doctor. My wife says, just call the doctor and make sure and straighten it out and make sure because I don't want them getting the money. And I'm like, I don't want them getting the money either, but I thought we already had this conversation. So I called Dr. Shearer's office and I talked to someone at building, uh, in Billing, Broomhilda, in Billing. And Broomhilda says, no, we sent the claim to SAG. And Broomhilda doesn't know who they put down as the person that should get the thing, Right. So then I have to call the Screen Actors Guild and they say, oh, well, no, there's it's still in processing. But I'll put a request through to processing to see, right? I thought you, isn't that what happened five days? Like I had, (laughs) do you see, see, here's the thing. We have insurance because I work. And if I don't work and I spend all my time calling you and Dr. Shearer's office, I can't work and then we lose the insurance. Is this all part of your plan? Is this all part of some weird conspiracy to weed out the actors that don't really make that much money to crush us enough so we don't make any money and then we lose our benefits? Like what's happening? Because I cannot spend any more time on the phone with Dr. Shear's office, the SAG Screen Actor Guild, benefit, benefit thing, thing, benefit thing. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm supposed to be, I don't even, I don't, I, I got to tell you something. I don't, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing. Because every day there's this new thing that comes out. What I'm supposed, okay, I have to say this just for myself, Dan. Yeah. You're supposed to be trying to get work. No, I know. I know. I know. So, Dan, instead of just doing your focusing on your chores and your phone calls that you have to do for medical reasons, accident, you have to figure out about getting some work. No. 
No, I know. I know. I know. I'm totally, I get it. I totally get it. But Dan, so that means you have to figure out, how, you have to go on more auditions, Dan, and maybe do more podcasts. You have to work that out. I know. I know. But the laundry isn't going to do itself and the taxes and then the accident and the paperwork and all that stuff. So then we refi the house, which means it has to be inspected. And the inspector came the other day and said, where's your carbon monoxide detector? And I said, I don't know. And he said, well, do you have one? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, can you show me where it is? And he's looking up at the ceiling. And I say, I'm pretty sure it's in that closet. Uh, I bought it in 2001 and I never hung it up because there was some roadblock of some kind. But I do think I have one. You asked if I have one and I do have one and I'm pretty sure it's in Hudson's closet. So he explains that really implied in the question, do you have a, a CO2 detector is do you have a CO2 detector? Have you removed it from the packaging? Have you installed it in your home in the proper location? And have you turned it on? And is it functional detecting whether or not you're dying of carbon monoxide poisoning? That's apparently what is meant by the phrase, do you have a CO2 detector? Who knew? So, so I bought CO2 detectors slash, uh, uh, what do you call it? Fire, uh, what, smoke, smoke. I, I can think of words, smoke detectors. Cause you're supposed to have a smoke detector in each bedroom. And then we're supposed to have one in the hallway. Ironically, I don't think we need one in the kitchen. Kind of weird. Um, so the inspector comes and he looks and he sees, sees on the ceiling. There's one in my daughter's room. There's one in our bedroom. There's one in the hallway, but there's no smoke detector in Hudson's room because when we bought the house, that wasn't a bedroom. That was a quote unquote office or whatever. So the inspector guy, now we've refinanced the house 13,000 times since 2000. Why this is coming up now in 2016, I have no idea. But he says, you got to get a smoke detector for your son's room. And then you really, you have to get, okay, a CO2 thing for the hallway. You have to do that. I'll come back on Friday and we'll, I'll take a picture. Now, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I operate under the apparently delusion that I'm actually a, a somewhat intelligent human being. And I think maybe in my youth, I had a brief opportunity where I could have become an intelligent human being. And I didn't make use of that opportunity. And I didn't. And maybe it's, uh, right? Uh, I don't know. My lack of fo I don't know what it is. But somewhere, some how some point I convinced myself through sheer lack, I think of laziness that the smoke detectors in our house are all wired, hardwired into our home. Now, why they would be hardwired into the home? I have no idea, but for some reason I convinced myself that like our alarm system, like our burglar alarm system, someone's calling me on the phone. Um, oh, it's the, it's the inspector. That all the, that all of our uh, fire exting or our fire detector thingy smoke detectors were hardwired into the house because they've never chirped that weird chirpy little chirp that tells you to change the battery. Well, that's awesome. So I figure I'm just going to go in the hallway where this old smoke detector's been painted around. I'm going to take it down. I'll tape up the wires. I'll put a little uh, wire nut on them or I'll, and tape them up or whatever. Try not to shove them back in the wall in case I need them again someday. But I got these battery-operated 10-year lithium battery smoke detector slash carbon monoxide detectors that I'm going to put up there. So I'm rushing around yesterday because there's never enough time. But I get up there. I'm, I take down the smoke detector and there's nothing there's nothing back there. There's no wires. That's a battery operated smoke detector, jackass, that you thought was protecting your family from burning to death. That's just been placebo style hanging in your hallway for 15 years. 
maybe I mean I assume like has no one been checking I haven't been checking I thought they were hardwired it basically I think it was a the same thing I have this is one of the things they advertise in the packaging of the thing I bought was like no annoying middle of the night beeping when your battery gets low that's like a selling point because it's a lithium battery and I don't know what that has to do with it, but you won't get annoyed by the battery dying every year or whatever it is and beeping and waking you up in the middle of the night. How convenient that this won't do that. So convenient. It doesn't tell you when the lithium battery is dead and it just turns into a hunk of plastic that you have screwed to your ceiling. So I think... And I haven't had time to check this, but I think that the smoke detector in my daughter's room and the smoke detector in the master bedroom are probably just as useless as the smoke detector was that was in the hallway, which means we have no smoke detectors in our house. And prior to installing our good heater that we have now, that by the way, is a flaming gas ball in our attic, we had a floor furnace. From 1948, that was just a big red fire under the house that would shove hot air up through the wooden floorboards and it would just spill out of holes in the floorboards that had little grates on them. Until about two years ago, that's what we had, a 1948 bonfire under the floorboards and no Smoke detectors. Holy Christ. Worst father ever. 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 I had to make a quick phone call. Sometimes you have to call your appraiser and tell them that you bought the CO, right? That's what I just did. I literally called him. Turn the phone off. I literally had to call him and say, oh, I I bought it. I got bought a new one. I'm not going to tell him the part of the story. Clearly, he's not watching the show um, about how the fact that the others are all set dressing. I think that I think that might be uh, bad. So my daughter. Are we on? Are we? We're still doing this, right? This is still is this still working? I told you. So before I went to Alpha Geek Media and the chat room had disappeared. Does that make sense? Did they get rid of all the chat rooms and then just didn't tell me? See, I have no way of you contacting me. This sort of, this, the fact that the chat room is gone, let's be honest here, completely negates the, is negate the word I need, Mercury Insurance? It kind of, the whole point of doing the show live, honestly, for me, is so I can interact with the two people that stop by. Austin, if you're there, Megan, hello. So if I can't find the chat room, why am I even, why am I, why? Why do I arrange my entire day to do this live when I could do a better job at a better show at my convenience? Does that make sense? Anyway, the chat room. Oh, wait, channels and chat. Here, let's try that. Ooh, what's this? Channels and chat. I never, maybe there's a new link. I never saw that link before. This is very exciting. (laughs) Oh, it is. Look. Oh, this is so cute. Okay. Bitter's pal. Okay. Oh, look, I'm on, I'm on, I'm actually on Alpha Geek Media. I'm going to log into the chat room. No one's going to be in the chat room. Trust me. Uh, Dan. Oh my God. Oh my alias. What, what just happened? Jesus. Listen, I got to tell you something. I'm going to become Amish. That's my real dream. My dream for a long time. Yeah, let's just, here we go. My dream for a long time was to be like a, the star of a comedy sitcom or something, right? Graduate up to movies. You know, stay, you know, have, be, have a beautiful wife and kids. I got that. Sure. But maybe also, you know, maybe some dalliances in my trailer with some starlets on the side that my wife doesn't care about because we're so rich. It doesn't even matter anymore. Um, and then eventually retire and, and just, you know, I don't know what. Now I just want to take all my computers and put them in a shredder. And become a Buddhist monk or something. Is is being a Buddhist monk as fun as it looks? You just you just like mellow. 
Because everybody's talking about mindfulness these days. And I think maybe being, right, the, the pinnacle of that seems like it would just be to be a Buddhist monk and just walk around in those robes. I don't know that I look that good in goldenrod. Because they seem to, it seems to be like one color, goldenrod with some red shawl or something. Goldenrod is not good with my complexion. I tried a goldenrod uh, mock turtleneck in 1991 at the Gap. It was not a good look for me. So maybe if, if I could be a, a Buddhist monk if um, if we could change to black. I mean, my God, when I, when I went back to studying karate, it literally took me six months to get over having to wear white all the time. Head to toe white. I just was not into it. I'm over it now. But it was just weird. Yeah, there's nobody in the chat room. Nobody's missing anything. You're not missing. I mean, right? Can't I just go back to doing this whenever I damn well please? I think I could. No one would be the wiser. So. So my daughter uh, decided to submit a film to the school film festival. Now she goes to Wild Winds in the middle, Wild Winds Middle School. Hudson goes to Wild Winds High School. And before Hudson left Wild Winds Middle School, he created the school film festival. And then he left. And he theoretically goes back every year to say hello at the film festival. Blah, blah, blah. Well, my daughter, Tlu, her his sister, decided she was going to do that this year. And I think I mentioned this last week that um, it's just been such a different experience with my daughter because Hudson kind of started making videos when he was super young and then kind of like this, the next one was more complex and the next one was more complex and the next one, you know what I mean? But he would shoot on this little camera and then he would figure out video effects and special effects and he'd green screen this or he'd put in guns, right? We, he like the slowly kind of ramping up to this very public school film festival. And with him, I ramped up on this, right? As like kind of a dad helper cinematographer, whatever, right? So now my daughter comes in cold. And wants to make a short film. <laughs> so we're like, you know, there's a due date. There's a fifth, right? There's a festival. So there's a due date. And we keep saying, hey, baby, you know, you got a, you got ideas. Like you need, you know, like a script, maybe some storyboards. I know, I, I know, I know, but storyboards are so boring. It's so boring. I, <laughs> but honey, if you're going to make something and you're going to show it at your school, you, you need a, right? You need to storyboard this thing out or script it out or something. I just, I kind of, I don't know. I don't know. So eventually she did come up with this idea and I won't tell you what it is. Maybe someday I can show you the video, the film, um, but it involves her in her bedroom and then she leaves the house and then she rides her bike around the neighborhood and then she comes home and then she's done the hero's journey or something. Right. And then she comes home. Well, by this point, we're so happy that she's come up with an idea. None of the three of us, meaning me, my wife, and my daughter, none of us kind of focus on the fact that she has just said she wants to shoot a film where she's riding her bike around the neighborhood. Now, maybe this hasn't dawned on you yet either, but for me to shoot her riding her bike around the neighborhood... I have to figure out how to shoot her riding her bike around the neighborhood. Because you don't want the whole video to be me standing on the sidewalk while she rides by in a flat, right? Just like on a horizontal. I mean, that might be kind of cute once, twice if it's right, uh, like Wes Anderson style. But otherwise, her just kind of crossing frame on a horizon or something just sh like that or coming toward me as I'm saying, it's not going to be good. And it's not going to be up to the class family legacy that has been established at the Wild Winds Film Festival circa 2000, whatever that was, 12, 14, 13. When did he graduate from middle school? I don't remember. So the next thing you know, I'm lying in the back of my Mazda with the camera. And not an iPhone, because that won't do, even though iPhones take really good video. No, I'm lying in the back of the car, in the trunk of the Mazda, with my big DSLR, 
with my big attachment. I wish I no, it's not in here. I would show you because because I can't see. You know what I mean? Like when you shoot video on a DSLR, it comes up on the screen. There's a screen in the back. You have one, you know. There's a screen back there. Well, my vision is so bad, I can't hold the camera far enough from my face to really focus on a screen. Like it can't be that close. So I got this big attachment to use as like a gigantic eyepiece, and you put this gigantic eyepiece on the camera and then I can see and then and then the lens is really big and so I have to hold so I'm lying I wish you I really wish you were watching this you know I I, I set up all these lights in this camera so you can see me do these ridiculous motions I'm lying in the back of the car I I'm holding the camera the eyepiece is to my face I'm ra I'm focusing out here like this because it's a huge lens because I could only afford one my daughter is riding the bike behind the car and my wife is driving the car slowly through the neighborhood. Now, this sounds like the perfect solution, actually, because this sounds, if you just say it like that, it sounds perfect. Well, yeah, I can work the camera. I'll just lie in the back of the car. Tulu will ride her bike behind us. And then Melissa will drive. She'll just drive slowly and Tulu will keep up with us. And I'll just try to kind of stabilize the camera a little bit with my body, right? My body, uh, boingy, boingy, whatever, you you know, dampening action. I have body dampening action, don't I? You have no idea how bumpy your neighborhood is until you are lying in the trunk of your own car like a hostage of the mafia trying to hold a several pound camera steady and focus. By the way, this is not an autofocus situation. God forbid I just bought a video camera when I needed a video camera. I bought a digital SLR. It doesn't autofocus. So I'm trying, I'm racking focus and bumping up and down on every pothole and fixed pothole and every twig and everything in the neighborhood. Well, my daughter rides behind us and my wife is like, should I slow down? Should I speed up? What should I do? Talk to me. I'm like, honey, my back hurts. There's something about the tension of boingy, boingy, right? Shock action that you're trying to do with your body while I don't know. I, I have to go to a physical therapist because I get to this point where I can no longer hold anything away from my body without wanting to cry in pain. I can't tell if we're getting footage. I mean, I think each frame might look good because this lens I have and she's certain distance and the zoom out or thing, it's really getting this great depth of field uh, illusion thingy, right? Where the background is fuzzy. She's in focus. She's She looks so beautiful and happy riding her bike. She's supposed to be happily riding her bike, right? She's got this kind of pretty bike. It's this pretty blue color such a girl like a hip hip girl bike it's like blue and it has a white basket and you know it's like it's a cool bike and it looks good on her she's she looks so beautiful she's got a little helmet on because you know you got to wear a helmet she's setting an example for the elementary school kids that go to wild winds so each frame might look pretty good but if you string the frames together 30 of them a second it's i it's probably a bouncing mess So we we go up this street, we go down this street, we go back around this street, we go around there. And it's getting frustrating because I am in a lot of pain and I can't hold the camera, I don't think, as steadily as I would like. And my daughter keeps having these ideas for shots. She wants to she wants to have a shot of a view, a distant view. And she thinks she knows where she wants this view shot. And she explains it to us. And Melissa and I are like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's – isn't that the cul-de-sac that's kind of off uh, Boeing or Orville, whatever? Because all the streets around here, they have airport names. I'm sorry, but they just do. If they don't have a number name, they have like Kitty Hawk, Glider. Oh, there is Yorktown. Does Yorktown have something to do with flying and I just don't know it? Wiley Post. Literally, there's a street – in the area, Wiley Post. Look it up, I don't remember. So my daughter, though, wants part of the thing to be where she stops riding her bike and looks off into the distance and sees the view of the city ahead of her, 
which that view does exist. If you go out of our house and go to whatever that street is, I can't even think now. Maybe that one's Yorktown. I don't know. And then you go up just to the next street. It goes up a little hill. And if you stand on that hill, you can look out and see the Hollywood sign from the neighborhood. And you can see all along there or whatever. So she wants to go to this place and kind of do something similar to that. It doesn't look good. There's something about some reality. And I'm not a photographer. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know the details of any of this and anything but like a real like super superficial level. There's, the sunlight just isn't hitting the view. The view is to the east and the sun is setting. So the view is just kind of this gray mass. And even through the lens, it, well, if actually through the lens, it's even worse. It's just, you know, you can make out buildings, I guess, and you can make out trees, but it's there's nothing about it. It just is. So I say... Honey, listen, we're losing light fast. The sun is going down. But I don't want to give up. And she's like, good, because I do not want to give up. I want a view shot. This, this, we have to do this. And I say, okay. Let's chase the sun. If we go west, far enough, fast enough, worst case scenario, we'll get to the beach. And we'll go up on one of those hills, maybe near the beach or the neighborhood near the beach, because it kind of should look like a neighborhood. And we'll, okay, we'll do that. And she's like, yeah, we'll go, but we can't, yeah, we can't leave the neighborhood dead because it's got to look, okay. So I know the perfect spot. It's by the university. There's a university right in our neighborhood, Loyola Marymount University, right near the university. The, the school's on a bluff. If we go to the end of a certain street that's kind of on the edge of the university, we don't have to go in the school campus grounds, right? We'll just go to the end of the neighborhood, and right there is the bluff, and we'll overlook Lincoln Boulevard, but then it's just the wetlands, and you can see the marina and the beach, and then it'll be great. Like, okay, let's do it. So we get in the car. Well, we don't get in the car. We go back home. We drop off Mama, and we get in the car, and we get the camera, and we're going to fake the bike. F the bike. We leave the bike home. She's going to hold her hands in a handlebar position and we're going to fake the bike. But she's got her helmet. We're set. So, oh no, we went, we were going to go to another place first, but that was too east. We still had to be facing west. So we go to the edge of Loyola to this exact spot that I'm thinking of, and it's just not right. There's another bluff across Lincoln. It's blocking the sun, and there's a big fence, like a, is it called a fence when it's that thick? I guess so, yeah. It's just a thick fence, like a wrought iron fence, keeping people from doing God knows what, God knows where, probably from getting the footage that I want, because in a way, it would be great, but there's no way for me to get an angle on what I want to shoot without also getting the fence in and the fence is not her, right? It's not her point of view. Her point of view isn't like, oh, look at the awesome fence that's keeping me from this view. It's supposed to be, right, the view. Young woman, life ahead of her, the view, whatever, I don't know. So then we got to get back in the car and we got to wait at the light. We got to go around. We got to go, we're not sure where to go, not sure where to go. And we're starting to get very disheartened. At this point, my back is still killing me. The sun is going down so quickly and we can't find a place. And then I remember this spot where we go to park on the 4th of July. Not to hang out on the 4th of July, but to park on the 4th of July. Because we go to this place called Playa del Rey, which is a little town um, that I shouldn't even tell you about because most tourists, I don't think even know about it, but it's like a little town on the beach, but it's kind of off the beaten track. So you wouldn't accidentally end up in Playa. You know what I mean? So we go to Playa. We have friends that live there. We go there for fireworks. We've been there for parties and stuff. So for the fireworks, what we do is we go and we park and then we park on this hill in the neighborhood and walk down and then over to the beach and then the fireworks. So, 
time is ticking away and the sun is setting so quickly. And I say to Tulu, Tulu, I think if we go to where we park, don't make me explain it. Just wait and you'll know what I'm talking about when we get there. I think if we go to where I park and then go to like the curve of that street, we might be able to get something. I just don't know if it's going to, I don't know. So we go over there and it's getting, it's getting so low. It's getting so low, the sun. So we quickly just shoot, we just start shooting. We just shoot that direction, I guess. Some palm trees, I guess. Will this make any sense? Like you're riding through your neighborhood and suddenly you can see the beach, I guess. I don't know. So we start, I just start shooting these palm trees. And hoping that I, I mean, is that there's some water down there? Is like a pond down there? Am I getting that in the shot? And then I shoot over there. I think you can tell that's the ocean. I mean, I just, you can't sometimes tell. And we're in such a time crunch that I, you know what I mean? I'm not exactly completely sane at this point. In context, out of context, I don't know if it, this is even going to work. The light is not going to work. The light is now so orange can't possibly match the almost blue light of her when she was riding her bike at first. We're like, okay, I think we got something. If we don't have anything, I guess we'll come back or we'll find another view. Maybe the view from the school, but when the sun's not going down or something, we want to get you the kind of like awe-inspiring thing, right? Now, one of us has the idea before we leave to, to get the shot of her looking at that. So at least that light will match. And so she holds her hands like she's holding her handlebars. And I take the shot with some houses in the back, hoping that they'll look enough like the houses in our neighborhood. They won't. Maybe. Mm -hmm. But as the sun is setting and that that light is striking my daughter and I do this so rarely and I try so hard to do it and I do it so rarely and I try so hard to do it and I think I'm getting better as I did stop and there's something about the eyepiece that you feel like you're watching a movie that's what's so useful about this thing on my camera like you're watching a movie or a dream or a moment of some significance. And really, are we are is a man and his 13-year-old child standing on the street, or actually in the sidewalk, watching the sun go down. People do that all day long. People can do that anywhere. But she just looks so lovely with that light on her and the wind in her face. And she was so happy because we had gotten so much done together as a family. The three of us, Hudson was busy being 17. I can't wait to see this movie. Cause as much as I love seeing movies and making things like that, and as many times as I've done it with my son, with my son, it's always been, you know, with sons, it's just different. It's more guy stuff. It's more, I don't even know what, it's just different. But to craft something like that with your daughter, at least as a father, I think this will be my favorite movie ever. I really do. Alright, that's it for the bitterest pill for today. I hope you can hear me. Have I been recording this show? I have no idea. <laughs> anyway, listen, thank you uh, for tuning in. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for uh, watching this on YouTube if that's your penchant. Is that a word? 
Hey, Mercury Insurance, what's penchant mean? How do you pronounce that if you're an American? Is it penchant? I get all my vocabulary words from Mercury Insurance. Mercury. They'll write you letters. Anyway, thank you for joining me. Uh, thank you for watching the show. Thank you for listening to the show. Uh, I do want to make a, an apology that it's taking me so long to get these shows out. It is, in all sincerity, not on purpose. It is never my intention for things to kind of lag this much. What I used to do, um, I think anyway, there was a long stretch of time where I would record and then put the show out. And that was even when I was doing a lot of post-production, but the same day. And now it's just, uh, it's just not working out. So, um, what we've started to do, partly as a thank you to the people that support the show on Patreon, is, um, so once these shows stream, within an hour or so, I can get them onto YouTube. And so what I'm going to do is send all the patrons uh, from Patreon the YouTube link. So if they're really hot to hear the show, or they want to watch it with my mouth not in sync, uh, they can do that. <laughs> so um, if, you're, if that's something you're interested in, uh, support the show on Patreon. Uh, all levels of support will get the uh, email thingy. I don't know if this is going to be something that we'll do. F Basically, this is something we'll do whenever I'm get when I get behind. I'm trying to catch up. Although I wanted to get two shows out to get caught up this week and that didn't happen so we'll we'll see anyway so that's that but thank you to everyone that supports the show on patreon uh your support is greatly appreciated and quite frankly necessary thank you to justin long harold goldner megan jeff short rob Houston, dave jackson mike hamilton florist tom carroll david chase and gerard cortinez chris class scott mercer jim cariotis and everyone who supports the show on patreon uh, you'll be getting, oops, wrong button. You'll be getting, hello? Hi, how are you? You'll not, you'll be getting nothing. I like it. There we go. Anyway. Uh, as always, you know, write me a pill at danclass.com or, uh, follow me on Twitter at, uh, at danclass.com. Keeping it real, man. Thebitterestpill.com. You know the drill. Anyway. Um. Yeah, that's that. That's that. Of course, I have no idea what we're going to talk about next week. I never do. Maybe uh, how? Maybe my latest karate examination. I don't listen. I don't know. Who knows? Anyway, I really. It's twelve thirty. Uh, I guess I'll hang around and see if anybody join me in the chat room. But I have to go in the house and hang the carbon monoxide detector as soon as possible. Really, kind of not joking. Anyway, yeah. Uh, all right. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye. Uh,